Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Klimsimech. On each episode, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come share with you their life and career journeys, from entrepreneurs to nine to fivers and everyone in between. Our guests go through all of the highs and all the lows of this life journey that have brought them to being who they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. On today's show, we have Zandile Mkwanazi. Zandile completed her BSc Honours degree in Computational and Applied Mathematics from WITS. And in 2014, she founded Girl Code. And since then, in the past seven years, it's grown to be the largest woman in ICT-led organization in South Africa, hosting the largest annual all-female hackathon. She's also the CEO and founder of EmpowerX, a woman in STEM-focused recruitment agency focused on accelerating women in leadership positions in corporate. She's also received the 50 Most Inspiring Women in ICT Award and has spoken at various national and international conferences. Welcome to the show, Zandile. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, as I, I mean, I told you uh, offline that I really am making more of an effort to get more women in STEM and having you on here is really adding to, you know, that, that focus for She Brigade this year. So I'm very excited for this. Yeah, thank you. Me too. Okay, so basically on the podcast, we like to start all the way from the beginning. So take us back, take us back to when you were younger, Zandile, growing up, what was it like and just your whole schooling? Yeah, so I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more fortunate than most. Um, I had a really great upbringing. Um, I grew up, well, actually, I started in Tembisa for my very, very first few years um, on this earth and then moved to Pretoria um, and then eventually moved to Midrand. And I think that's kind of where my story begins um, when I was living in Midrand um, because I got exposed to a lot of things that I didn't know before. You know, I was in a Model C school, which means we had a lot of opportunities. You know, we had computer labs and all that stuff mm. um, that most people at that time don't. And for me, I think even at that point, I didn't realize what a privilege it was. Mm. And looking back, you know, retrospectively, I'm like, wow, that was so amazing because I got to be exposed to so many opportunities at a young age that for me, it became my normal you know, mm. and whenever I encounter a lot of women in the ICT space who talk about only encountering a computer at university, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's, that's shocking. Because for me, you know, I grew up thinking that's part of what everybody has access to. Yes. And, and that kind of led to the kind of person that I am now, where I want to make sure that everyone does have access. Everyone has the same opportunities. So it really shaped me. And my parents also, they've always given me I think the best in life. And my mom is always a nurse. My dad is an entrepreneur. But living the life that I lived, I think they always made sure that we have access to everything. And that was, that was their motivation in life, to make mm -hmm. sure that their children don't grow up the way they did. You know, that we have all these opportunities. We had a computer at home. Although at the time, you know, I wasn't much into computers. <laughs> my, I have two brothers. So my brothers are the ones who are always like working on it and, you know, studio beats and doing all these things. Mm. Um, I, funny enough, only use it to like look at pictures. But <laughs> the fact is, you know, like we had a computer in our house and yeah. I knew how to use it. It was something very familiar. Um, 
So when I eventually like got to university, um, uh, it was like I said, it was it was my normal. I knew how to use a computer. I knew how to switch it on. Mm. Um, and then that, like I said, once I started interacting with other people that weren't from my community, I realized that hold on, this is actually there's actually a huge problem in the country, and I've been living in a bubble all my life yeah. where I thought everyone kind of has you know has all these things Mm. and and that's really when my social entrepreneurship kind of kicked off where I wanted to make sure that everybody is getting the same opportunities um in university I started a non-profit which was um called riot (laughs) radically impacting our times and what it is was going to different communities and Teaching math, science, and accounting. I've always loved maths. I've always been really good at maths mm. um, and science and accounting. So I wanted to make sure that I do something to give back using the skill sets that I have, which mm. at that time were those particular subjects. And rallying my, you know, my um, fellow students to spend our weekends teaching. So, so yeah, that's that's a bit of my journey, and I think I will unpack more as as we go. I mean, it's so interesting that you say that, right? Because I can relate to that. When I, was, when I went to varsity, so we also had a computer at home. I did IT in high school. So I was already programming in high school. So it was like, kind of yes. like, it was easy for me to just, yeah, it was just my bubble. And then when I was in varsity, I, I, I remember applying for a job to lecture. Like there's a first year module that, 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 that they do at Tux where you just have to learn how to, where you do computers. It's called AIM. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I applied to be one of the assistant lecturers for that module. And they told us in the class, that like, you guys need to understand that not everybody that comes has, has used a computer before. So even when you, like in your application for this role, you need to understand that you need to be able to teach everyone all the bases. And I was like, what? Yes. That's also when it yeah. dawned on to me. I was like, wait, like I kind of knew, but I never knew, you know? exactly it's it's, it's there but you don't realize how it is and then when I when I ended up I ended up being an assistant lecturer for a different module where (laughs) where um we teach we taught account I taught accounting students advanced excel and you know they they would panic about the pdf they they accidentally rotated a pdf or something and I was just like what's going on (laughs) like we take those things for granted we really take those things for granted Okay, so yeah, and the thing is, um, a lot of even today, like it, it seems like by now we would have progressed. Mm. Um, but it's shocking that there's still a lot of people that are not exposed um, to such opportunities. Right. Okay, so uh, what, can you tell us a bit about what you studied in varsity and why you studied it? Yeah. So when I when I got to university, um. Like everybody else who was good at maths, my teacher said I should become a natural science. Ah. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people where I didn't actually have like, oh, I want to become a doctor or mm. I, I didn't know. I just, I was going with the flow, you know. I was yeah. like, this is what I'm good at. So what should I study? Um, my math teacher was like, you're an actual science. You're going to make a lot of money. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, well, you know, making money won't hurt anybody. So Yes. <laughs> I applied to be an actuarial scientist. Um, at the time, at uh, VETS, they were only taking, I think, about 40 students. 40? So, so I, yeah, it was, it was a very niche, um, probably less. It was probably less than 40, but it was oh, a very wow. niche class. Um, so I didn't make it because although I had good marks and, you know, I had my A's, 
there were other people who had like a hundred percent for everything. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I was a bit bummed out. Um, but yeah, so then they made it, and they're like, "Look, it's fine that you didn't make it. Um, you can then do what we call computational and applied mathematics." As adjacent to actuarial science, most of the subjects um, you'll actually be doing the same thing. There's just a couple that you won't be doing, like the actual actuarial science um, subject. So I was like, okay, it's fine. And then they said most people that do really well in computational applied math in second year, you can then transfer to the actuarial class ah. um, and then catch up on the mo- on the first year modules that you missed. So you won't be repeating everything. So I was like, okay, that sounds okay. that sounds fine. Um, let me do it. Um, so got into actuarial science and yeah, I actually enjoyed it um, to the point I was like, uh, I mean, to the computational and applied maths class and I didn't, I didn't then want to go back to actuarial. I was like, this is actually pretty cool. Mm. I love what we're doing here. Um, but to be quite honest, first year, I think, you know, a lot of people underestimate having freedom, what it does. Mm-hmm. You're either a really disciplined person or you're not. Mm. And at that time, I used to think I was disciplined because at, 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 at high school, you know, I'd study on weekends and all of that. But, you know, being in this new environment, I was just like having the time of my life. <laughs> and I was just like, this is amazing. Um, I don't have to go to class. Oh, okay, I'm not going to class. You know, so we spent a lot of time at um, the gardens, the lawns, and uh, just like you know chilling so firstly I didn't go that well in terms of my marks but I did pass um <laughs> you know <laughs> I made it somehow uh late night studying just before the exams but yeah like it was a great experience um like I said I was really familiar with computers you know we had um you know go to the library do research and all of that stuff which is really fantastic and I kind of progressed and finished all the first three years really um you know my I I think I was just still trying to adjust to mm. being in university. um but in honors that's really where I excelled okay. um you know that's where I started kind of again that whole and being a social entrepreneur is really about like getting people together like you know galvanizing people towards a common cause and for me, that was about, I need to graduate my honors with a distinction. And what I did then was basically make sure that I gathered all, like, the, our class. I think we weren't more than 50 or 60, the honors class, probably less, actually. Mm. Um, and, and what I did was basically had everyone agree that every single Saturday we would meet, we would, you know, assign different modules to to different people so that you don't have to study the whole you know the whole syllabus and people mm. would come and w- would teach we would teach each other and for me that's kind of how I learned best I learned from listening to other people um and and, and understanding how they they you know solved particular problems and that's that whole collaborative thing that I, I love so much because in fact everyone for the first time the whole class graduated with uh distinctions oh wow and the university was so impressed and i was like how you know like this yeah. has never happened <laughs> <laughs> you know so and that was the thing because i made sure that we all working together we all shared past papers you know there's always people that have material that you yeah have. <laughs> and people yeah and unless you like their friends they probably won't share it with you so i made sure that we we're all friends we we're all sharing 
information. We were all sharing our knowledge and whatever advantages we had um, to the common purpose of, of everyone getting a distinction, you know, mm. um, which happened. And that was really fantastic. And I think that's a big, um, you know, common theme in my life where I, I want to get people together for us to do something um, to, the, to the, you know, something good for, for our communities and stuff. And like I said, during university at that time also, I started a nonprofit and we were going on, you know, altern- alternating weekends. We were going to schools in Soweto. Funny story, actually, this, um, the school that we were teaching at, Skanon um, Tuane, our president, our current president, actually studied there. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Later on in life, um, <laughs> that he was a student there. Um, but yeah, so we went in and we, you know, we were teaching and we took the school from like a 20% pass rate to a 90% pass rate within sure. the first day of teaching. So that's, that's kind of, you know, my underlining theme. That's, that's the core of who I am. Mm. I want to see people succeed. I want to see everyone, including myself, succeed. And the best way to do it is really to work together. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Okay, so then um, now you're done with varsity. How, tell us a bit about how it was getting into the working world and what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah, so, so 20, 2012, I finished my honors. 2013, I started my master's. And while I was doing my master's in um, applied mathematics, I basically had an opportunity to be part of an internship program. Um, the internship program was primarily aimed at computer science students, but me being me, I was like, nope, I also want the opportunity, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm definitely going to apply. Um, and what it was, you, you were working for half the day, um, like from, from 8 until 1 p.m. So you are getting like work skills experience and you're also getting paid. So it's, it's something I really wanted to do. And um, the work part of it was basically building software um, prototypes for companies that were sponsoring the program. Mm. Um, and even though I was doing computational and applied math, the computational part wasn't really coding. Um, we were doing um, what you call MATLAB and we were doing algorithms and stuff like that. So it is a part of coding, but not, not the, you know, the core, I'm going yeah. to any specific yeah, coding language. So, so being part of this um, internship was also a learning experience, but what I really got from it was I really love this IT world. I love the idea that I could build an app, you know, that can solve a real world problem. Mm. One of the apps, my first apps that I built myself was a healthcare app, basically. And it's a problem we're still trying to solve today in government um, of long queues. Like, why can't I just fill out my details on one, one application and the whole government system has access to it, including mm-hmm. um, private. And whenever, because whenever you go to, to any hospital or clinic, first thing you have to do is fill out a form. Start from scratch, like, yeah. Oh, it's like I filled out this, you know, <laughs> last week when I was at the other hospital, now I must do it again. So I built an app, I entered a competition, and I actually came um, in the top 10. So I was like, this is amazing. This can really solve real life problems and for me so a bit of background of even why I built that app one of the teachers from the school that we were um, tutoring at on weekends you know she she got shot from you know um, a robbery Mm. and when she got to the hospital that she went to they basically told her to start by filling out a form and it was like after she'd been shot 
she didn't say, oh, there's on the shoulder, but she was bleeding. Yeah. And no, the, the, the nurse or whoever was like, nope, you still need to fill out this form. You're not really, like, critical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need your details and all of that. And while she's doing that, unfortunately, she passed away on the chair. Yeah, and I was... Oh, my gosh. I was gutted because she was really, really an amazing teacher. Um, she supported what we were doing. She was there on the weekend. So for me, that was oh. such an injustice. And I was mm. like, how is this even possible? How, you know, like, are people dying when the, the solutions out there that already exist? Mm-hmm. And in, in any case, you know, like, as humans, how do, you, how do you do that? And that's the thing. You can't blame the person sitting there saying, fill out the form. That's she's doing her job. Old. She's doing her job. Yes. But yeah, I, you know, I, I think about her um, often and it's, yeah, it's a shame. And that still happened to a lot of people even today, you know. So mm-hmm. when, I, when I discovered the world of IT and programming and what really software had the impact to do, I decided there and then that this is the space I want to be in. Mm-hmm. So once I completed that internship, I started looking for, for jobs in the, in the ICT space. But of course, you know, being um, a camp student, I usually the banks are the people that want you because yes. you become a quantitative analyst and all of that. Um, but I, I, I had to like knock at those IT companies. Um, and at that time, there was a startup company that, a small, small company, um, tech startup. I got, I went there, I went for an interview. The manager or the, you know, the, the owner was really amazing and, you know, the space, you know, like how your typical startups, well, you know, the ones that you see from the U.S., there was, yeah. garden, there was a ping pong table, there was a pool <laughs> table, there was bean bags. I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I want to work here. Like, <laughs> you know, it was such um, an amazing space that I thought I would fit in really well. And mm. for me, the managing director was like to me, listen, um, everything that you've learned is great. I can tell, obviously, you made it to your master's and all that, that you're good at learning. But the one thing I'm going to ask from you is never say to me that that's not part of my job. And that for me has like, I've carried it till this day. It was so profound mm-hmm. um, because it shaped my outlook in life because once you start having that mentality that this is not part of my job, you limit yourself, you limit the possibilities and you limit what you're capable of. Mm. So when that interview is like, like, doesn't matter what I'm asking. Don't ever say it's not part of my job. And then you'll be great. You'll do well. And sure enough, um, the experience there was, was really amazing. I mean, I, that's where my business, so obviously as a developer, I wasn't strong enough. So I ended up being, a business analyst, but I still had to understand, you know, coding and all of that. Yes. And yeah, so um, I really enjoyed that role because, you know, got to interact with a lot of different clients, understanding what the problems are, you know, understanding how we can make the processes more efficient and obviously yes. enable them using technology. And at that time, um, we were focused on government. So the, the company, you know, services the government. So trying to understand government processes is actually <laughs> the easy part. But trying to like implement technology to solve those processes is <laughs> it's, a <challenge. laughs> it's a challenge, you know, um, because you, you, you're working with people that have 
been doing things a certain way for so long for a very long and time introducing mm. change yeah change management was a huge huge part of mm. um my role there but but i did enjoy it and and that's actually where um the birth of Gold code happened um at that particular company because so the managing director was also my direct boss i, I guess um because it was such a small company so i worked mm. with him um a lot on all my projects and we used to you know, he's also, he's also my mentor even today, like my, my biggest supporter. So we used to go to a lot of events together because we kind of had the same mindset of wanting to learn. So we'd go to, to events, but I'd always say to him, and he's also, he's a white male. <laughs> and I'd say to him that, you know, Ian, um, yeah, you can see a problem here, right? You can see that all these places, I'm almost always the only female. The only mm. female. Um, we need to do something about it. And lucky enough, I was working for someone who was so open-minded and, you know, wasn't sort of, you know, oblivious to, to reality. Yeah. Um, so I said to him, look, let's do a hackathon um, with just females. Can you sponsor it? And he's like, yeah, sure. Put together a budget. Um, let me know when you want to do it. You can use the office space and... Yeah, you can use some time during the week while you're at work to go to universities and do whatever you have to do um, to make it happen. And that's the kind of support, you know, like supportive person, and you know, he was. It wasn't about that's incredible. my work. Yeah, so, you know, for me, I really enjoyed that space where it wasn't, you have to be here, I need to see you eight to five, sitting on a desk, even when you have nothing to do. I had mm. the freedom to <laughs> explore other, like I, for me, that's a pet peeve. So, you know, I had the freedom to explore, to do other projects. Um, the two years that I was there, so 2014, 2015, uh, we were exploring a lot of different, like, side projects that had nothing to do with this business. We were doing it together and, like, trying to build startups. I remember, like, we also um, were building, you know, some some startup idea. And I had to, like, go to to the robots to hand out pamphlets, you know, to mm. find out if people would buy the service. And that that speaks to the whole, don't say this is a part of your job. Because for anybody else, you know, can you imagine you come in as a business analyst and then Yeah, you degreed, you're like, yeah. no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you said the robots and sent him to hand out flyers. Um, the whole day for, we did that for a whole week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is the, yeah that is a humbling experience i was like wow sure i have so much respect now every time i see someone handing out a flyer i take it because you know guys mm, you don't know it, it. Was, yeah it was tough hey? and you also you don't know the background of the person mm. but besides that like you know when you're trying to give someone it's like but i know you could use this and then they quickly roll up the window <laughs> it's, <just laughs> it's like wow okay thank you um but yeah, so that's 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 the kind of the first two years of my working experience and um where Go Code initially started. Hmm, okay. And at what point now during your career did you decide that wait Go Code is actually a business? Um I know it's a nonprofit, but like when did you decide to take it full on and really guns blazing go for it? 
Yeah, so so after that first two years, I left um, because I thought I, I wanted more experience in, in, the, in the traditional corporate space. Mm. You know, so startup is great, but also like there's a lot of like late nights and weekend working. Like I said, you have to be flexible. Mm. You have to do whatever it takes um, to make it work because we don't have that many resources. So so then I left and I went to um, a huge tech, you know, one of the tech giant companies in South Africa. And <laughs> honestly, for me, that was, it was a great learning experience. But at the same time, I was like, nope, this is definitely not for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I am not fulfilled here. I am not living my purpose. Um, I have to, like, clock in at eight and clock out at four or five exactly on the dot. I can't live this life. Like it's 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 stifling my creativity and what I'm meant to do in this world. So for me, I, I actually was about 18 months, but I I then realized that I'm actually not one of those people that are content with going into the office, working uh, my eight hours and then clocking out and going home, and not also the working part, not being able to explore other things. You know, mm-hmm. like I said in the previous startup, I'd be at work, but would sometimes spend whole couple of days discussing something unrelated to work you know a new idea that we think we could do not part of even his company and and that obviously led to me learning more about what we can do within the company so being now in a space where it's like this is your workload you have to do this and then go home I was like "Mm." (laughs) no that's not for me so at that point I was like okay um you know, I actually really love what we do with World Code because simultaneously it was, it was growing now. Yeah. We were doing a whole lot more than hackathons. We were doing workshops on weekends. Um, we were teaching coding and all of that. And I was like, this actually requires a lot more effort than when I first started it, when it was just a one-time event. So, so I decided I am going to quit my job and try and focus on, on Goal Code. But funny enough, the same day that I quit, my previous boss from the startup, Ian, uh, actually called me and said, hey, uh, are you still happy there? Or are you looking to move? So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, so I was like, no, I'm, I'd be happy to come back. So literally the same day that I quit, and I had no, obviously, other plans other than I'll try and push Goal Code. Um, yeah, I ended up going back to the initial startup for another year. But at the end of that year, I realized that there was too, now we were doing too much. Like, GoCode was growing exponentially and it needed my full attention. There was no ways I could still, even in a flexible environment, um, there was just not enough time to do mm. both um, workloads. So I was like, thank you again for the opportunity. For the but I'm leaving time. again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm leaving. <laughs> so I'm leaving again um, and he was just like wow Sandy you're just gonna keep like, you know you're like teaching me like one of those ex-boyfriends that's in love with you just keep coming back and then <laughs> so but he was completely understanding and you know he still supports me to this day still sponsors GoCode and everything else um, when I need to bounce ideas so I left and then from 2018 um, or 19 my timelines um but yeah i started doing goal code full-time i think this is our second second year that we're on 
um, that I'm running GoCoach full-time with my co-founder, Nico, mm-hmm. and we have a project manager, Tapiwa. So, so that's kind of, yeah, that's been like my, my journey so far. Sure. Okay. And how has the mission and vision of GoCode evolved since you first started it? So like, what are the biggest things that have changed from, in, from when you first had the, your first hackathon to now that you're doing it full time? Yeah, so, I mean, the core of it actually has stayed the same. And that's the thing, when you know your why and you are rooted in your why with everything that you do, um, doesn't the, the how will change, the what might change, mm-hmm. but the why needs to be constant. And my why is um, getting more women into the tech, making sure that women, young girls have role models, you know, giving them that exposure and those opportunities. So that... And the mission of doing that um, has not changed from day one. The reason I wanted to do the hackathon, you know, in 2014 is exactly the reason today I'm still doing it. Um, the what and the how is what has changed. And we're doing obviously a lot more. We're trying to reach out to a lot more communities, um, giving opportunities, giving job opportunities. So that has evolved over time to make sure that you know, it benefits our why even more. But the vision really is to make sure that every single young girl, child, woman in this country and in Africa eventually has an opportunity to be exposed to the digital world. They have, you know, the opportunity to know how to use a computer, be comfortable using a computer, being on the internet and figuring out how that's going to best serve them you know, mm. how they're going to use that as an enabler. I always say technology is just an enabler to make you do what you already want to do, you know. So that has always been a constant in my life um, and throughout the journey of Gold Code. So we've been doing that and we've just been trying to do it more at scale, making mm. sure that we have communities that are not being reached yet. And that's a growing process for us. We're still learning. We're still trying to grow the team. Um, and like you said, it's a nonprofit, but it's still a business. It yes. has to be sustainable. It has to, you know, the idea, and a lot of people misunderstand the idea of nonprofits. We have to make profits. The, the <laughs> difference is, you know, unlike a, unlike a company, our profits don't go to my pockets and, you know, the founders and the profits go back into the business, into the organization so that we do a lot more so we can reach more communities and hire more people. But like any business, we need to make money. Um, we just obviously have different ways that we need to think about making money from, you know, using sponsorships, but also being sustainable and making money ourselves by offering services to people that can pay. Mm. So that's, that's the one thing that's misunderstood about nonprofit organizations. Mm. And for me now it's really about, you know, our growth trajectory and making sure that we service the whole of South Africa and we bring more tech companies on board so that they can also fulfill their transformation agenda and making sure that there are a lot more women and young girls, when they think about technology, they're no longer just associated with your typical white male. They also can associate it with a black female, you know, with a colored female, with every other race that there is. And that's what diversity is all about. It's not about one gender or one race over the other. It's about inclusivity so that everyone that makes up society is part of you know, whatever um, microstructures that there are. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, Zandi, can you please take us through some of the highlights of your journey, but also, and most important, some of the lowlights of your journey? 
Yeah, so the highlights for me really is just, I've always been amazed about the people that have come to rally behind me and people that have been really supportive of my vision and what I want to see happen in our world. You know, so I've had amazing, amazing people behind me, um, one of which is my mentor, Charmaine. Um, she's actually Ian's wife. <laughs> so, so she really, at the very beginning, like I said, when, I, when, you know, when Gogot started, she, she saw that vision long before I did. And she was like, I'm going to be your mentor. And that actually, you know, I think it rarely happens where someone of her stature and she, she's obviously like really big in the industry, in the ICT industry saying to you, I want to be your mentor. Oh, because wow. that means they see something in you. Yes. They see something that's, you know, worth their time because they are obviously very busy people. So she said it and she was my mentor and she's been my mentor till today. And she opens doors for me. She speaks about me in rooms that I'm not in, you know. Mm. I said, that's when you know you have not just a mentor. She's also a sponsor. A sponsor, yes. Yes. Wherever she is, I'm telling you, people will come to me and say, oh, yes, yeah, Charmaine told me about you. Um, mm. I'll send emails to different, like, CEOs and stuff about Goku. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, Charmaine once told me about you. And that's the person that she is. And that's, that's like, that's who I aspire to be. You know, when I talk about I want to collaborate with people and I don't want to like duplicate stuff, it's because that's kind of what I'm learning from her. She doesn't, you know, when somebody comes to her with an opportunity, she doesn't say, oh, okay, let me try and make it happen. She's like, okay, this is fantastic, but it's not for me. Mm. Um, you know, Zandi would be better for this opportunity and she'll send an email and say, hey, um, thank you for the opportunity, but this is my mentee, Zandi, she does this X, Y, and Z. Um, and she would be perfect for that opportunity. And I think if we all just strive to be that, that would be so amazing. So for me, the highlight of my, my, my whole career is having a mentor that I didn't necessarily go seek out, but has been invaluable in my life. Mm. Um, it has opened up amazing doors and really like had me traveling internationally um, just because she said this person is worth investing in. And there's a lot of power in that. And it comes also, you know, from having a good reputation yourself, you know. So you watch for people that you know will take up these opportunities and will run with them and yeah. not disappoint you. So that mm -hmm. for me, I think, yeah, I, above everything else, um, I've had a phenomenal woman mentor and it has cemented my love and want to empower more young women and young girls. Mm. Um, and I think the lows, you know, like for me, on social media and stuff that we see looks all great, but there's a lot of work that goes behind what we do. And, and some of the lows has obviously been some rejections that, that you don't put out there, but you know, we, we, we've reached out to people and said, hey, this is what we're doing. You've talked about, you know, this is you want to support women and all of that. And you, basically what you've talked about in the media aligns exactly with what we're doing, you know? So, when you support us and then people sort of reject you and you're like, but you know, that's insincere because mm -hmm. why are you, yeah, I'm not saying we, we deserve every single, you know, opportunity where everyone should say yes to everything, but I'm always like sort of shell shocked whenever like someone says something in the media and then you reach out to that person because it's like, Oh yeah, we align, you know, this is, we actually talking the same thing. And then it, turns out that 
maybe not. Mm. Um, you know, um, even some women that talk about women empowerment and they want to help young girls and you're not always reaching out for money or anything, but just to say, this is what we're doing. Um, how can we work together? Can you support us? Can you, you know, get us into your networks? Can can we do things together to to push this common goal? And and yeah, they're not they're not as enthusiastic when there's no cameras or no media sure. and stuff. So so I've come across that a lot, and it's it's been it's yeah it's been really disappointing. Um, I had an incident where a particular senior woman, you know, um, called me. Um, and was 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 basically saying that um, so so it was you know the incident was related to to the to obviously the work that we're doing and she was just insinuating that um, I'm not on the ball you know why don't I know this from the top of my head and I was just like I, I literally stopped I'm like please can you and she's a very senior person and obviously you know we're trying to like work with this particular organization and I was I was like can you just hold on a bit. Um, would you say this to to a male CEO? Like what you're saying mm-hmm. to me right now? Mm-hmm. Calling me in the middle of the day when I'm going to a meeting, asking me for some information. I'm saying I don't know because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm going to a meeting. I'm driving. Can we? I you know politely. Can you talk some other time? Um, can I call you when I'm actually available? And then you tell me why don't you know this? Why don't you? Why don't you? What kind of CEO are you? And I was like, just hold up a bit. The way you're talking to me right now. Would you do it if it was a male? Would you do it if someone if it was someone from a big corporate? Or are you doing it because I'm running a nonprofit and I'm a female and you think you can walk all over me? Mm. I literally I asked and politely, not even I wasn't angry. Not yeah. even I was angry, but I didn't because once once you respond with anger, then it just escalates. Yes. Then you don't hear each other. I'm like, can you please just answer if you would do this in any other scenario besides the who I am and what I represent? And she actually paused and she apologized oh wow said, I'm sorry yeah I otherwise I was obviously I was going to drop but she actually apologized and she's like you are right um I have no right to to speak to you that way um I I'm sorry and I and, and it's someone I've actually never even met in person you know mm. um so I think sometimes we need to stop people and be like hold up you know um, because sometimes they don't even realize what they're doing Mm. And that's the whole thing of patriarchy. And you're so used to automatically respecting, you know, an older, because obviously I'm younger than her and, yes. you know, I'm young girl to her, you know, but you automatically you'd respect an older um, person, particularly an older man, but not so much maybe a, a younger person than you. You would think, you know, that you can talk to them however way you feel. But I think we have to check those people at that point while they're doing it, not later on, because later <laughs> on, you know, they'll be like, oh, no, that's not how it happened. So yes. I literally stopped her there and then, and I checked her and I said, please, please check yourself um, and how you are talking to me. Um, what I'm doing is amazing work and we're doing really well and we work with a lot of corporates and multinationals and we help, we, you know, we are very professional. So you insinuating that I'm not just because I can't answer a question right now on the spot when you called me while I'm driving, um, that does not give you the right to then tell me that I'm incompetent. Yeah. And, yeah, no, and, and really, you know, we she apologized and we got through it, but but that that happens a lot. And a lot of women also don't have the courage to to say, Hold hold on, no, this is not right, mm-hmm. um, to that person. So I think 
for me, it was a very low low, but it was also a very teachable moment. And I was scared, to be honest. <laughs> I was really scared to ask her. And I thought, I was thinking about it while she was going on, and then I'm like, no, I don't like this. I don't like how she's making me feel. I'm about to go to an important meeting now. I want to cry because this woman. You know, so I was like, no, Zandi, you have to, you have to um, be courageous. And stand up for yourself. Yeah. And I did it and actually it turned out, I mean, it could have turned out anyway, but it turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and then she now supports us and all of that. And, you know, she's an advocate and it's great. And that's the thing. Now she had a teachable moment as well to realize that I wouldn't do this in any other scenario and I shouldn't do this. It doesn't give me the right. Mm. You know, so, so yeah, that's, that's one of the laws. And really, uh, I think also one of the other laws that I, I really want to touch on is the fact that a lot of people take for granted something that is free and free in inverted commas. Um, when we have events and stuff and it's like, oh, it's free, come attend. And then you say, I want to attend. And then you don't. You know, you know for me, that's very hurtful, oh. very mm. disrespectful. Because behind that is a team that went to a corporate sponsor and got funding to get a venue. Behind that is a team that went to that same sponsor and said, hey, these people need to eat, you know. Um, yes, we also are giving them like free education and we're teaching them stuff, but we also want them to eat. We want them to have fun. Can you also have prizes for this? Um, can you give up your employees to come and teach on a weekend, you know, or ask them if they can come and teach? There's so much that happens that leads up to being free. Um, but nothing is free. That's mm-hmm. my time. That's my team's time. There's a company's time. There's everybody and the money that goes into it. And for people to say, yes, I want this opportunity and then don't turn up mm. for me is, is absolutely, and, and, I've said, and I've said it, I'm going to keep saying it until people understand. For me, it's the worst thing because what that does, it demotivates people. At yeah. some point, you get, why am I even doing this? Why am I spending my time, you know, emailing, calling, trying to get this opportunity for someone to then wake up and say, oh, it's cold today. I'm not going to go. Mm. I actually had that one response because we emailed like we had an event a couple of years ago I mean it's not even happened still today not so not not on the same degree but we had like 70 signups um for an event and 10 people showed up what yes so that morning it was cold 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 it was raining you know and we all woke up the team woke up the the facilitators woke up, the catering company woke up, and the other 60 people decided it's too cold. I'm not going anywhere. 60, yo. And of course, there's obviously some that had legitimate reasons. Yes, but... But a very few, less than five actually emailed prior to say, I apologize, this, 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 this. There is nothing. And that day, I was like, no. In fact, that day, I wanted to quit and be like, you know what? I've got a lot of skill set. I can go back to corporate. I don't need to do this, mm-hmm. you know, so, so that was a real low. Um, and, and I think, yeah, we just need to change our mentality when it comes to something being free. Nothing is free. Somebody mm-hmm. is giving up their time. Somebody is giving up their money um, for you to get it for free. Mm-hmm. So take up opportunities. Don't make excuses. Um, it's called put on a jacket. Mm-hmm. You don't have a data. Go to your neighbor and say, listen, I've, I've signed up for this thing. I, can I please, you know, for an hour or whatever, get online on your on your Wi-Fi or your you know hotspot. Me, 
Yes. You know, when opportunities come up, you need to grab them with both hands and make no excuse. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never. Th- you never actually think of it that way from like, as an from an attendee perspective. You're right. When you see something for free, you assume, ah, but it's free. <laughs> but actually, yes. yes, there is a lot that goes into it. While we're talking about um, what it's like running a nonprofit, I just want to ask you, what has it been like running a nonprofit during COVID? Like with what we're going through right now. Yes, yes. So it's obviously like extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we also still rely on sponsorships, and you know because of obviously what hap- what has happened, a lot of budgets are now put on on hold. Can imagine. Or rather, they they also going towards COVID relief, like you know food packaging and and giving people food, and which is great. Um, but it means for organizations like ours, um, we're not getting funding. So, so it means for the year, um, because we, we have full-time staff, we have, you know, uh, operational costs, just like any business, um, it means those can't get paid and we get in sure. debt, you know, so, so it's really difficult, um, but it's also an opportunity to pivot and think about innovative ways to do things, which of course, I mean, we, we are like a tech um, organization and innovation is, should be in our blood. So, so as much as it's been really difficult um, in that sense, we've also realized that there's other things and processes that we could have perhaps, you know, um, made better or thought about differently. But we, we could have, this opportunity only now allows us to think about things differently. We're now mm-hmm. we're offering, we're offering online um, tutorials, which of course comes with their own issues of data and people not having computers. But that those that do have can still benefit from that. We hosted the, the virtual summit, which we yes. never would have been able to host. I was going to ask about table, that. Yeah. Would you have yeah, ever thought so, that you would have done a virtual summit? No, absolutely not. You know, so I've always wanted to do a summit, but also I was like, the costs involved in putting together summits are so huge that mm. it didn't seem like something we wanted to do. But this gave us the perfect opportunity to have a virtual one and like you said, it was fantastic. I, from a, not even from a, someone who planned it, but someone who attended it, I loved it. I was like, I could actually do this. And, and the contents are so amazing um, that I think there's a lot of value in it. And that's kind of the new things we're exploring. And if we're doing, you know, virtual international summits where anyone from the world can attend, then we can start, you know, selling tickets to that particular summit. Yes. Um, because the we're getting reach access is wider. To, Exactly, exactly. So I think this has allowed us to kind of put on our thinking caps, be creative, think of how do we how do we do things differently? Mm. And of course, um, how do we solve the current problem differently? Um, like I said, we, we might be doing things online, but now we realize we need to partner with people that can provide data and devices to yes. our beneficiaries and really like have someone who's keen to come on board on that on that front. So even when they're at home, we can still like send them work to do, send them activities to do and like keep that communication open, but also expose them to having devices within their own homes. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's, yeah, it's been a mix of, mixture of, you know, good and bad, but I think my outlook is always, you need to make the best of what you're given, uh, make the best of the situation. Mm. And that's what we're doing and forming new partnerships and, and now planning for next year. I think, I think it, 
2020 is probably a write-off. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, <no. laughs> for a lot of us. <laughs> it really, it really is. So, so it's just planning for next year and now providing both online and offline content. And mm. the advantage of online now is that we can scale and, and reach more markets mm. and go into like different African countries and stuff like that. So, so that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really loved your summit. I was supposed to go to the Women in Tech conference and like everything was paid for, plane tickets, accommodation, yes. everything. And then it got canceled. So I love that you actually had quite a few women that were good, that I was personally looking forward to, to seeing there that spoke at your summit. So I really, really loved your oh, content. Fantastic. The speakers were phenomenal. It was amazing. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. I actually was also um, scheduled to speak at the conference. Yes. Um, but yeah, of course, it's, it's now later on in the year. So yeah. still, hopefully by then, I mean, I think people still will be too nervous to be in crowds. It's, yeah. It's yeah, not going no. to start <laughs> like, a conference is too much. Maybe a small meeting, but a conference, I don't know. You know, so it's not like by then we'll have a we'll have the um, vaccine or anything. So yeah. um, that that should be interesting to see if it even happens. But but that's the thing. It's about pivoting and and not like being stuck on no. We wanted to do it. This a, way. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you need to be able to pivot and do whatever you have to do because that's really when like learning happens. When you like mm-hmm. reach a limit and then you just push a bit further and then suddenly it's that aha moment. And it for me that also refers to my very first lesson um when I got into the working space when Ian said to me, Don't say this is not part of my job. Because mm. we could have easily said that This okay, is not what we do. Yeah, we teach we teach kids um on weekends and, and you know, and you know, we, we do coding face to face. So let's just there's nothing we can do right now mm. um let's ride it out you know so if we had that mentality we would have been doing nothing but we're still reaching people we're still doing so much more than we even thought was possible um so yeah, i have the teacher will always be ready to learn um and don't don't like for me like don't take yourself seriously and don't don't put yourself in a box you know just open yourself up to opportunities yeah i've noticed that you have a lot of like um like just how you things that kind of shape how you view life and how you show up so i wanted to ask you is there like a favorite quote or mantra that you live by yeah actually <laughs> i said it in the <laughs> in the summit and for me it, it's so simple but for me it's so profound and that's like shoot your shot and mm. that that kind of defines me um there's a lot of you know moments in my life where i could have said oh okay this is not it like i said when that particular internship um it was clear that it's for computer science students i could have been like oh well i don't qualify but i was like nope shooting my shots yeah i'm sending in my cv and then i got it you know um job opportunity for working at at box fusion that also was for so looking for um, developers and business analysts. I was none of that. I had studied none of that, but I'm like, I don't care. I am sending my CV. Mm. And then I made it and I ended up having such an amazing time there and, and really meeting two of my, my biggest advocates and mentors and sponsors, you know? So that's the thing, like you need, it's a fear. And I, I don't, I'm not saying I don't have fear. I have a lot of fear. There's times when I'm about to send an email to someone I don't know, and I'm like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> um, but I'm like, send it. The worst someone can say is no. 
and then what? And then you move on to the next person who'll say yes. You know, so so I've said it and, and I, now like when people ask me, I'm like, it's re- really like shoot your shot. Like just take every single opportunity. You know, I, I this year I'm starting um, Gibbs Entrepreneur, Social Entrepreneurship Program. Mm-hmm. When I saw the application um, on, on social media, I was like, oh, maybe not now because I don't think you know, I've done enough because obviously you have to motivate and they had the questions and I was like, mm, I don't think I've done enough to be really part of this or to get the scholarship. But again, like you have to get to a moment where you push past, or, you know, you push yourself past that particular fear and you're like, it's fine. If I don't make it, at least I'll learn what I need to know for next year yes. to apply again. And I applied and I made it. And now oh, I'm part wow. of the Gibbs social entrepreneurship. So so I think the defining moments in my life have been when I was scared to do something, but then I pushed past it and said, I'm just going to take that opportunity. I'm just going to send it. And if it's a yes, it's a, it's a yes. If it's a no, um, I'll ask why is it a no so that next time I can learn and improve myself. So every single, you know, yes or no is, if it's a yes, great. If it's a no, it's, an, it's, a, it's a moment for you to learn something about yourself and to improve yourself. Mm. Okay, so 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 now I want to talk about my favorite quote. <laughs> so yeah, the last question that I ask on the podcast, and I ask this to all my guests, um, it comes from my favorite quote, which is, "Be who you needed when you were younger." So it's my favorite quote because mm. I believe that you know when you were younger, you might have needed someone or might have needed to hear something from someone, even though you didn't know that you would need that. So I ask all mm. of my guests this question. If you could go back and talk to younger Zandile, what would you say to her? It could be younger you at any age, whether you were still in high school, in varsity, starting out your internship, or even last year. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's funny because I've, I've thought about this um, a couple of times, and, and I always struggle to come with exactly what, what would I say, what what is it that I needed to hear um, mm. to arrive to a different moment? Or, but for me, it's like everything that happened needed to happen for me to arrive to this very same moment. Mm. So what I would say is just keep being yourself. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. Um, even when you know that, you know, you don't really know everything. Just I keep being you because I am proud of the person that I am. I'm proud of the person that I was, um, even the mistakes that happened because they led to this exact moment and I wouldn't want it any other way. I, I always say, and sometimes I say to my friends, I feel guilty because I am living my best life. Mm. You know? <laughs> I'm enjoying life so much. I, of course, there's days where, you know, you feel down and stuff, but overall I am, I found that like sweet spot between your purpose, your career, your life, your family, and all the things that have happened to me over the years, you know, sort of all came together to create me right now. And I think just, I would just encourage myself, keep going, keep pushing. Don't, don't stop. Like don't Mm -hmm. stop and don't limit yourself. Don't limit your possibilities. I've always been a dreamer. I always dream big. And sometimes I thought, I suddenly calm down. Like, you know, <laughs> let's come back to earth. So, 
really the only thing I would say to myself is don't stop yourself when you think you're dreaming too big it's not even big enough like mm. dream bigger dream bigger and and like I said I, I'm living you know my best life and I'm enjoying it and I know that everything that's happening right now is only just the beginning mm. because I'm not going to stop myself I'm not going to limit what's possible um because the only person who can do that is you. The only person who stops you from really f- reaching your full potential is yourself, you know? And I said, you keep knocking and knocking. If this door doesn't open, you knock on the next door. If that doesn't open, you knock on the window. You keep knocking <laughs> until somebody, somebody will open. You know, and I've learned that over the years, that someone will definitely open a door for you and you will meet the right people at the right time. Like I said, when you begin, um, this with you that I feel like I've just met you at the perfect time because it's at a time where I'm doing something that requires exactly someone like you Mm, so (laughs) so for me yeah I believe in providence and I believe that things are meant to be but you have to make them be as well and you don't sit back and say oh it will happen to me you go out there and you make it happen so so yeah um that's that's it I'd, I'd just say dream bigger like it's not big enough baby girl Oh, <laughs> dream bigger keep dreaming keep it yes yes yeah. oh thank you so much thank you so much zandi um i really i've enjoyed this conversation so much um how can our listeners get in touch with you and follow your work and maybe get involved as well with you and your your team yeah so um i think getting in touch with me personally i am most active on twitter um, which is Zandi with a Y underscore Gibine, K double E B I N E. On social media for my organization, you can follow Gold Code underscore ZA. You can follow EmpowerX with a double X. And then on LinkedIn, you can also um, connect with me, Zandi Lem Kwanazi. Um, yeah, and then I, I'm like I said, I'm happy to connect with people. I'm happy to connect with people where our passions and synergies and purpose in life align. Mm. What I don't really like and advocate is for people to connect for the sake of connecting. Um, because, you know, what's the purpose in that? So, you know, re- seek out and reach out to people that when they speak or what they post about, it's like, yes yes, that is exactly what I want. Or that is how I want things in the future because then magic will happen. But if you just, you know, follow everyone, like everyone, then, (laughs) you know, and this follow train thing, it really, (laughs) I don't like it. No, yeah, yeah, you need to be intentional. You know, I've I've been, that word has been ringing so true and so loud in my life this year specifically. You need to be intentional with every move that you make. Exactly, Mm. exactly. Um, and that's where you'll find your purpose. Otherwise, you'll just drown in the noise. So, yes. yeah, I'm happy to connect with people that feel like what I have to offer and what I'm doing um, resonates with them. And then also seeing how we can... And collaborating also doesn't mean on a business front only. Sometimes, like, collaborating on a personal front and just meeting new friends that you feel like you can just reach out to and talk to someone because something happened and you know that they would relate. Mm. Um, I'm happy to do that and connect. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Zandi, for sharing your story. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity and it's been a fantastic conversation. And happy first Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm going to spend the rest of the day with my little babaki. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we love to engage with all of you, so feel free to pop us an email if you have any feedback or guest recommendations on info at shebrigade.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so don't forget to tag us on your posts at SheBrigade. See you next week.